All Things From My Brain, the new podcast from the new universe. For more information about the author, or to check out show notes and links, or to send us feedback, please visit the blog.thenewuniverse.com. And hello again, and welcome to episode 5 of the All Things From My Brain podcast. I am Patrick Hester, author, blogger, functional nerd, tech junkie, gamer, and cleaner of refrigerators. Well, my refrigerator anyway, you know, I kind of had to do that. There was something that spilled, and eh, it was pretty nasty. It was a, it was a bit of a mess. Anyway, <clears throat> welcome back. Did you miss me? Because I certainly missed you. I want to thank you for once again joining me for this madness that I like to call all things from my brain. That's both this podcast, which you're listening to, and my blog, in which I discuss all the little things that distract me throughout the week, all the minutiae, the little tidbits, anything at all that uh, I, I may have found interesting. So, For those of you who are obsessed with rules and structure, and you like to color inside the lines, I do offer you something you can think of as a category list, or a word cloud if you prefer. Um, but when it comes to the stuff that I talk about in this podcast, uh, it might help you a little bit. So I, I will cover such diverse and varied topics as sci-fi and fantasy stuff, uh, technology, web life, video games, books, novels, movies, television, music, and my own original science fiction and fantasy writing, and the adventure of getting that stuff you know, published and into your hands, either through self-publishing or the traditional agent publisher route, you know. Uh, still having some uh, questions there, so I haven't decided which way to go. <clears throat> anyway, having said all of that, it really is a mouthful to say each week, by the way, um, which is why I change it up just a, a little bit every time. I invite you to kick back for the next hour or so, sip your favorite beverage of choice. I always recommend Southern Style Sweet Tea. Uh, grab a snack, you know, your favorite munchable item, and then uh, join me on the journey that uh, I'm, we're going to take here into the things that caught my eye and, and made me think this past week. Sometimes it'll be a little bit longer. Sometimes it might be shorter. It all depends on what may have distracted me and what I feel like talking about. And to tell you the truth, even I have no idea how long this is going to be or what I'm going to be talking about until the day I sit down to record it and actually go through and, and uh, refresh my brain on what happened this week. So we'll just have to discover that together. First up this week is going to be technology news. Alrighty. If you were one of the folks who decided to get a Palm Pre phone, uh, based on its you know kind of cool functions, and, and one of the, the cool functions that they've been touting is the ability for it to sync with iTunes, well, your life kind of sucks now. With uh, the 8.2.1 update to iTunes, the ability of the Palm Pre to sync has sadly been killed. According to Apple, and I'm quoting here, Apple designs the hardware and software to provide seamless integration of the iPhones and iPod with iTunes and the iTunes Store and tens of thousands of apps on the App Store. However, Apple does not provide support for or test compatibility with 
non-Apple digital, non digital media players as I get tongue twisted. Anyway, <clears throat> if you were unaware of this or thought that they wouldn't do it, dude, seriously, what planet do you live on? Uh, I saw this coming a mile away. I, I was surprised that Palm, you know, even tried this in the first place and then made such a big deal about it because it was so iffy. Uh, and I figured it wouldn't last very long. Uh, it sort of reminds me of the mod community for Blizzard's World of Warcraft. They actually, Blizzard actually encourages people to develop mods for the game, you know, to, to help players with uh, playability. Um... But, and I guess that's a little bit different from Apple, but, but where they're similar is that Blizzard makes no promises that whatever you develop is going to continue to work with their stuff in, in next week or after their next patch. So, um, you know, if you were clever enough to figure out how to sync to iTunes, then, you know, it, it, there's a good chance it's going to go away. I get pe I, I get why people want their stuff to sync to iTunes. It, it is the major player in the market. Uh, that pisses some people off, like the music industry. But it also makes people want to to make things that are going to work with iTunes and kind of plug in so that they can grab some of that lucrative iPod market share. Uh, a, a huge selling point for any kind of digital media player is going to be, hey, it syncs with iTunes. Oh, cool. You know, I don't have to go out and spend the money for the iPod. I can, you know, save 50 bucks and get something different. Uh, yeah, that's a huge draw. Uh, Palm hasn't reacted to to the news that it's not uh, able to sync anymore. Not that I saw anyhow. But if you're a Palm Pre owner and uh, you're lamenting your inability to sync to iTunes, quit your crying. There are alternatives. Uh, one of them is called uh, Media Sync, and it's by uh, Sailing Media, I believe. Uh, or Sailing. Anyway, it, it's an application that will run on both OS X and Windows. And it'll sync photos, music, and podcasts to almost any USB-connected device, including the Pre. So I've got the links to their stuff up on the website. So if you are a Palm Pre owner and and you're a little bit upset that the the, the iTunes functionality is gone now, you still have um, you still have a recourse. In other tech news, and <clears throat> what is on the fringe of sci-fi news, really, if you ask me, um, India is going to issue biometric identity cards to all of its 1.2 billion citizens. Wow. I, wow. I'm reading this on a timesonline.co.uk article, uh, and it, uh, here's a quote. The government in Delhi recently created the Unique Identification Authority, a, a new State Department charged with the task of assigning every living Indian an exclusive number. It will also be responsible for gathering and electronically storing their personal details at a predicted cost of at least £3 billion. Pounds. I probably should have converted that into dollars, but I didn't think about it. Anyway. This is just uh, this is this is a wow a, a, a big wow. Uh, reading further in, I, I found some pretty interesting stuff here, like the fact that over a hundred countries are using similar national identification cards. I, I know there's been a push to kind of do something like this in America, but I can't imagine the U.S. adopting these types of cards anytime soon. Uh, but not for the reasons that, that you might think, like logistics. I can't see us doing it simply because the local and state governments receive income on driver's license and, and, and ID cards and, and and replacing them and I mean all that kind of stuff. So they aren't gonna want to give up that revenue anytime soon in favor of a national card that the federal government, you know, might be able to run and, and get the income for. Not unless they can add, you know, 
tons of new taxes to cover their lost revenue. So, uh, well, they're probably going to do that anyway, but you, you get the point. Uh, still, it's interesting. There, there's enough talk about this crap that it could be something that every country sees in the near future. With all of the identity theft rampant in the world, I'm sure a lot of people are going to say that this will be a solution to stopping those types of crimes. But uh, I worry that it's just going to make it easier. I mean, all, if all of your personal data is on that card or in that database, that means there's one place to find you and, 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 and take your identity, right? I, I don't know. This tends to be a common theme in science fiction uh, where authors paint pictures of advanced civilizations, you know, future, uh, future history kind of stuff. And the characters tend to have ID cards or they have uh, ID chips implanted under their skin or, or, or barcodes that they can scan and see, you know, that kind of stuff. I mean, the list is endless on, on this type of um, technology. So it, it's kind of cool slash weird to see this happening, you know, right now in our time. I think India definitely has probably the most ambitious plan of all of the, the national identity cards. So we're just going to have to see how long it takes them to implement it and how much it actually ends up costing them uh, and how well it works. So <clears throat> I guess stay tuned. Lastly, and this sort of bridges technology and book news, uh, people are pissed about the Kindle again. I mentioned once before, either last episode or the one before that, that uh, people were stunned to learn that they, they there were hidden download limits on books inside of the Kindle. Limits that are hidden in the fine print and never up front where you you know you might actually see it. Uh, you, you just don't know until you run up against that hard-coded limit, you know, that you're not allowed to download the book again. Well, they're at it again, so... Folks that woke up Friday morning to find that books that they had purchased on their Kindle had been removed by Amazon remotely. So Amazon just kind of reached out, deleted the books. The books in question are 1984 and Animal Farm. Irony, right? 1984, Big Brother. And then, hopefully you got that. Uh, Both are from the author George Orwell. And this was met by a loud chorus of bitching by people who had bought the books. Amazon quickly commented that it had been, you know, probably the worst idea they've had in a while uh, to reach out and delete the books off Kindles without the uh, owner's permission or knowledge that they were doing it. But at the same time, they said that they needed to do something uh, because it turns out that the books were unauthorized editions. They, They were put in the Kindle store by a third party who didn't actually have any rights to the books. Similar... um, unauthorized editions of the Harry Potter books were also put up and sold and were also removed by Amazon in in the past. But uh, after Friday's PR nightmare, I guess these were a little bit more um, highly aware would be a good way of putting it. People were more aware this time. Um, But after the PR nightmare, Amazon has said that in the future, it's not going to delete things from the Kindles anymore. It's not going to just reach out and delete stuff. Uh, But that... they did point out that the fine print on the on the terms of service and the user agreement um, gives them just such a power, which is why they felt justified in doing it in the first place. Okay, you know, I get that this is a mess. It's a horrible, horrible mess. But but Amazon really should have known better. Just because they have the right to delete things and it's expressly written in the smallest, tiniest part of the fine print is all well and good. But actually reaching out and deleting content that's been paid for is just stupid and short-sighted on their part. Uh, 
I, I would expect something this boneheaded from Microsoft, not from Amazon. And yes, they did refund the money for the books, um, but that is just not enough. You know, having, having said that, if someone put up unauthorized copies, Amazon, I, I get it. They were in a tight spot. Uh, they had the rights holder on one side and they had the customer on the other side. The smart thing, and and not the cheap thing, by the way, but the smart thing to do would have been for them to change out the unauthorized edition for the authorized one because there is an authorized version available in the Kindle store. Um, They should have done that at no extra cost to the consumers who had no clue, none, that they were purchasing an unauthorized copy in the first place. But I guess hindsight is twenty twenty, uh, and the Kindle and Amazon have taken another really bad hit in the old PR chest plate. And I once again find myself reconsidering the purchase of one of these things. I usually like to wait for all the bugs to be worked out on any kind of technology, but um, it seems like in this case, you know, with the Kindle, it, there aren't really that many technology bugs. There are just all these skeletons hidden in closets waiting to jump out and scare the crap out of you. Yeesh. So, um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. Kindle, um, not looking very good. In game news this week, oh, baby. Galaga. If you don't know Galaga, get thyself to a retro arcade. Come on, people. Galaga. This was one of my very favorite games back in the day. I even had one of those emulators for the PC in the 90s um, that would let you play the the arcade games just so so I could play it because I couldn't find it anywhere. I mean, I would go to arcades and no one had it. Um, Anyway, uh, Nameco, Bandai, however they are. I think it's Bandai Nameco now. Um, they've done it again. They've ported the classic game over to the iPhone. I have to say, I really like this version. Um, I, I downloaded the light version first because, I, of course, I'm worried about the controls. Um, they're still a little iffy, but a hell of a lot better than, than say, Dig Dug or, or Pac-Man. And as soon as that music started, oh my god... I was hooked. It took me back in the day. The full version of the game, it, 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 there is a, there's the the classic and then the, the, the revamped version. Anyway, the full version is six bucks. Um, but I think I'm going to wait for it to go on sale because like all things in the app store, eventually it'll go on sale. Just like with Dig Dug, the, the snazzy new version, I don't really care for it. I, I think I'm just going to ignore it. What's the point? Um, in this particular case, the original is what I want. That is what I'm looking for. That's what I've been waiting for. And it still holds up. It's a great game. Um, it's tons of fun to play. Like I said, it, it just takes me back and reminds me of what I, you know, of being a kid in an arcade and playing these dang games. Uh, I am messing with my iPhone right now, trying to pull it up so I can play the music for you. <clears throat> Give me just a moment as I'm trying to get in here and do this. Let's see if it plays. Oh, and it crashes! No way! 
That's the first time it's crashed, folks. First time that Galaga has crashed on my iPhone, which kind of sucks, especially considering that I was just telling you guys how great it was. Oh, brother. It, it, it does say Bandai, but it, it pushes Nameco more than uh, it pushes Bandai. I think it has something to do with the fact that I have my iPhone turned down, which sucks. Hey. There we go. Let's see if it plays the classic version now. There's that noise I love to hear. I love that music. What can I say? I'm a, I'm a sucker for the old retro arcade games. That took a little bit longer than I planned, but hey, I still got to share the music with you, right? Um, <laughs> uh, tons of fun. Definitely go download it if you've got an iPhone or an iTouch. Uh, also in game news, if you own a PSP from Sony, you may have an app store of your own really soon. Sony announced this week that they are preparing to in introduce a new game development pipeline for low-priced downloadable games. Just like about everyone else out there these days, Sony is looking to create their own version of the iPhone App Store because they're they're yeah, come on, I mean, um, they're realizing what a what a cash cow it can be, uh, and a great source of of cheap little mini games. All of you iPhone game developers out there, you better get ready to port your stuff over because this could be the new trend in handhelds. Heck, it probably already is the new trend in handhelds. Uh, trend, trend, trend in handhelds. I've never been shy of telling people that I love the older games, uh, the side-scrollers. I would love to see a port of Contra. Uh, and, you know, there, uh, I, I used to love on the old 8-bit uh, Nintendo, like uh, the original Ninja Gaiden. Um, oh, what was the other one? It was another Ninja one that was really, really fun to play. Uh, I can't remember it. Um, Castlevania, that was a great one. Oh, okay. Castlevania and Ninja Gaiden probably scrolled up as well as uh, left and right, but you get my drift. And uh, I really believe that these new platforms like the iPhone and the PSP and the Nintendo DS, all that kind of stuff, are perfect places for these types of games to have a sort of renaissance. And I, for one, am just going to enjoy it and uh, get my retro gamer on. So, um, so there. Now, I would like to know, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, Mr. Nintendo, um, when can we see Zelda? and Metroid, and Mario on the iPhone, Mr. Nintendo? Hmm? I think that would be an awesome, awesome thing to see. So come on, people. Mr. Nintendo, Zelda, Metroid, Mario, iPhone. Please get working on that. Enough said. In the interesting column of sci-fi news this week is the launch of a new animated series based on the original Star Trek. Um, set in the, the original universe, uh, not the new movie, you know, the old 60s show. Farragut Films and NEOFX have announced the released schedule for Power Source, the first episode in an animated series based on the adventures of the starship Farragut and her crew. The Farragut is a ship set in the original history of Star Trek, of course, uh, and in the original 
Star Trek timeline, it was the first ship that Jim Kirk served on uh, after um, graduating from the Academy. In Power Source, the Farragut is under the command of Captain John T. Carter. I don't know why, but um, when fan-produced things come up, these captains always have to have that middle initial. Uh, uh, initial. Kind of like James T. Kirk, so this guy is John T. Carter. Uh, I don't know. Anyway, he, he's ordered to investigate the disappearance of the USS Azrael. And just kind of like with the T, I, I don't understand why they would name a ship after after Azrael. That, that seems kind of silly. It's not the usual naming convention for Star Trek ships. Anyway, uh, this series marks the first time that Star Trek of any kind has been in an animated series since the old Filmation series ended its run back in 74. The first act of Power Source will be released at 8 a.m., Pacific Standard Time on July 20th, 2009 to commemorate the first moon landing by Neil Armstrong in 1969. Acts 2 and 3 will follow in August, with the entire episode available to download by August 31st, 2009. I think it's just neat. Uh, more power to them. And, uh, you know, anything that kind of keeps this stuff going is always cool. And if you're wondering how they're getting away with this and why Paramount hasn't brought down a massive Klingon attack on them, their nonprofit. So, they don't, you know, seek to, to make any money off of this. They toe the line very, very, very carefully, encouraging donations to keep the, the production going, but they never sell anything. So, um, that kind of um, keeps them from getting in trouble. Plus, there's the whole thing that there was, uh, in, the, in the 70s, tons and tons of fan fiction were written about Star Trek, and Paramount never went in for anybody, um, CBS and Paramount. And I remember there was something about they, 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 they were trying to go after people with Star Trek The Next Generation. And when that came out on the air, because they were, people were doing fan fiction. And there was some sort of ruling that said that they, they could go after the people doing Star Trek The Next Generation. But they couldn't go after people doing the original series simply because they had, they had allowed it to move forward without ever saying anything. So... I think that's that's part of it. Anyway, good for them. Um, you know, let Classic Trek continue on. Woohoo. I've got links to the websites out on the show notes. So if you're interested in downloading that when it comes out, check that out. In different but no less compelling news this week, the family of J.R.R. Tolkien are suing New Line Cinema over money. Just like Peter Jackson did. Only, unlike Jackson, they're saying that so far, they haven't seen a dime from New Line, who's made an estimated $6 billion, with a B, billion dollars, from the movies based on Tolkien's Lord of the Rings. Yep. $6 billion. Uh, I'm going to read some stuff here that's relevant, so I'm quoting. Once again, the accounting methods of the studio are coming under scrutiny. Tolkien's family and a British charity they head, the Tolkien Trust, seek more than $220 million in compensation, according to Bonnie... Ooh, I'm going to mess this name up. Uh, Eskenazi. Eskenazi? Seriously? E-S-K-E-N-A-Z-I. Eskenazi. If my name were Eskenazi, I would rush down to the courthouse and change it immediately. Eskenazi? Who wants to be called Eskenazi? My God. Anyway, 
Um, according to Bonnie Eskenazi, an attorney with Greenberg Glusker, the Los Angeles firm representing the heirs. The Tolkens also want the option to terminate further rights to the author's work, as the original contracts lets them do in the event of a breach, according to the complaint. Uh, News Corp's HarperCollins Publishers, which holds Tolkien's publishing right, is also a plaintiff. So basically they want to stop the, the Hobbit films. Um, still reading. Under the contract, New Line was to pay a percentage of all gross receipts after de- deducting 2.6 times the production costs, plus advertising expenses in excess of a certain amount, according to Eskenazi, who's going to be the new villain in uh, the next Indiana Jones movie. The heirs, including Tolkien's son, Christopher, who's 84. Wow, he's 84 now? My God. Um, And his daughter, Priscilla, 80. Tolkien's daughter, Priscilla. Okay, man. I shouldn't pause and make my own comments in between these little points of reading because I'm sitting here going, wait a minute, Christopher's 84 and his daughter is 80? How the hell did he manage that? Anyway, um, let me start that over. The heirs, including Tolkien's son, Christopher, 84, and his daughter, Priscilla, 80, say New Line inflated expenses and excluded revenue from its calculation, meaning the family, quote, will never see any payment at all, according to the complaint. They also allege that New Line allowed some documents to be destroyed, which would have proved their case. Um, okay. So I'm done reading now. I don't know if you remember it or not, but there was this big brouhaha where Jackson sued New Line Cinema for this very same reason. He said at the time that they had done some creative accounting and that he wasn't getting his due either. What a load of New Line Cinema crap. Uh, This is why we have guilds in Hollywood and why they go out on strike, because the studios try to find great, new, and interesting ways to screw people every chance they get. Um, Obviously, I want to see a Jackson-produced Hobbit film on the big screen, but not if it means that the writer who created the whole damn thing in the first place, um, that his family and trust doesn't actually get um, duly compensated. Um, So I'm hoping that they're going to work all this out. Uh, The story that I read said that they had already been through arbitration a couple times and that neither side was budging and that New Line Cinema was trying to play hardball and and doesn't want to give up any money. So, blah. What a bunch of crooks. Um, here's to Tolkien. Something a little bit different. I haven't actually talked about movies before, so I'm going to talk a little bit about movies this week. <clears throat> I've got uh, this is just some real quick little news tidbite, uh, tidbites, tidbits about movies that's coming out. Uh, I've got links to all the stuff on the blog, so uh, if you want to go check it out, there's a new different trailer up for GI Joe: The Rise of Cobra. It's over at IGN. Definitely worth checking out, just because it is a little bit different. We get to see some some uh, more moves from Snake Eyes, which is always cool. I like that he doesn't need one of the accelerator suits that they show the other team members wearing. You know, he's a badass no matter what. And he should remain a badass uh, in this movie. So, new trailer. Go check it out. It's over at IGN. Uh, Picks are also out this week from Iron Man 2, which includes Scarlett Johansson as Black Widow and Mickey Rourke as whoever the heck he's playing. I'm, I'm not, I'm not well-versed in Iron Man lore, so... I have no idea who he's playing. 
Uh, I think the last thing that, or it might, may have been the first thing that I ever read, first and last thing I ever read about Iron Man, was when he went on the warpath going out after all the armored supervillains and heroes throughout the Marvelverse because he found out that someone had hacked his computer system and was using his Iron Man designs to on the black market and so he was going after all these different that that's like the only thing I I think I ever read in the Iron Man world so anyway um these pictures are out because there were blurry pixelated stuff leaked out on the web and of course they didn't want that so they um they decided to up the ante and, and release really nice clear crisp um digitally enhanced uh images that that they always do so <clears throat> check that out Green Lantern First Flight is going to hit stores on July 28th, and I am really looking forward to this one. Green Lantern was always one of my favorite characters from the DC Universe, and um, I, I read it uh, when it was Hal Jordan, uh, Guy Gardner, John Stewart, and Kyle What's-His-Face, the last guy, um, to name just a few. I am nowhere near old enough to have read Alan Ladd, but I do know him, um, because I did read the... Uh, Infinity Inc., which had his kids in it, um, so I was aware of the the uh, JSA version of the Green Lantern. Anyway, I'm really looking forward to this. I, I linked to the official site and trailer on the on the blog, so check that out. This is from uh, the new line of straight to DVD animated flicks from DC and Warner. And if you haven't checked out the other ones, uh, Wonder Woman, Doomsday, New Frontier, and Gotham Knight, seriously, you need to check those out. I mean, what the heck are you waiting for? They have all been really, really good movies. Much better than the stuff being churned out by the Marvel animation arm these days. Um, which, you know, I've always said it. Marvel's for kids, DC's for adults. And the Marvel animation stuff is definitely for kids. I could not... You know, I tried to watch the, the Hulk versus thing. Oh my god, what a horrible piece of crap. But um, these DC ones have been really, really good. So check those out. And lastly in movies, I want to talk just for a minute about Harry Potter. I'm not going to give away any spoilers. Uh, I want to say that right up front. So you don't have to worry if you are if you haven't seen it yet. I'm not going to spoil the movie for you. So having said that, I'll continue. The Half-Blood Prince came out this week, and people are flocking to theaters to check it out. It looks like this is going to make a ton of money, but I don't think anyone expected that it was not going to make a ton of money. Uh, heck, that's why Warner moved it to the summer in the first place. You know, they wanted a summer blockbuster, and boy, have they got one. I saw the film early uh, on Wednesday, and I liked it. Uh, I, I will say this. It felt, for me, like the most rushed, the most condensed of all the films. That could be simply because this is the first one I've ever seen, having read the book first. Prior to this, I hadn't read any of the books. But when Order of the Phoenix came out, I decided that was a really good movie and I decided I wanted to read the books and uh, check them out so I, I ended up really liking the books and, and the world that Rowling created um, and yeah I went through them pretty quickly anyway I, this is the first 
Well, after reading the books, I was able to see, you know, where the movies deviated from the books and kind of go, oh, okay, okay, I, I see what they did there. And I could kind of understand why they did that. But with this latest movie, the book was still fresh in my mind. So, you know, I knew what it was about going in, which I didn't know with the other ones. And, and knowing that, I found myself going, oh, uh, that's what they decided to change. <laughs> so, you know, maybe I saw this movie in the wrong mindset this time around. Like I said, it was a good movie. It, it, it was a good adventure. I mean, it, if you never read the book, it, it stands alone. But knowing the book this time out for me meant that I was watching it through a different lens. So... It was just a different experience for me. I don't know. Uh, I recommend everybody go check it out. Like I said, it's a good movie. Maybe I should see it again and maybe relax this time and not be so aware and, and you know, kind of not have that text going through my brain of, of what the movie, the book was about. I think if I did that, it'd, it'd be a lot easier. And I know Rowling has said in the past something along the lines of, you know, take the books for what they are, take the movies for what they are. They are separate deals. So, so there you go. <laughs> launches the last of America's deep space probes. In a freak mishap, Ranger 3 and its pilot, Captain William Buck Rogers, are blown out of their trajectory into an orbit which freezes his life support systems and returns Buck Rogers to Earth 500 years later. Okay, I got a little nostalgic this week. And what better way to celebrate nostalgia than when really bad sci-fi TV? <clears throat> I remember, as we all do, just how cool the shows were when we were kids. Shows like Buck Rogers. I mean, they were entertaining, right? They had Monsters of the Week, ships flying around in space. What's not to love? I also find, as an adult, that not all of those old shows hold up so well when I look back at them now. And it's not just genre shows. I mean, I cringe to watch um, old favorites from my childhood, like The Dukes of Hazard and Chips. Heck, my cousin and I, we had the General Lee, um, this giant plastic General Lee to play with. And we also had, you know, these Chips playset things with sunglasses and badges. And you could put them on your, you know, you put the little shield on your bike and your bike suddenly becomes a California Highway Patrol motorcycle. But when it comes to the genre stuff, and it's just like ten times worse. It's just an ouch. Case in point, Buck Rogers in the 25th century. I was strolling through Walmart one day. There's a plug for Walmart. When I came across something that I hadn't really thought about in a long, long time, it drew me over based on the cover and I had to pick it up. 
It was Buck Rogers in the 25th Century, the complete series. There was Buck right on the cover in his skin-tight white space suit and Wilma Daring right behind him, blaster in hand, also in her much more pleasant skin-tight white space suit. I flipped it over, found myself smiling as I read the description, and, you know, it kind of brought back memories, and I really did love that show when I was little. I flipped it back over, and it was just 20 bucks, which made me frown a little bit. I thought, an entire series is just 20 bucks, that can't be good. Um, still, it was Buck Rogers, right? So, I used to have a lunchbox with this guy on it, for God's sake. So, uh, I had to get it. <clears throat> I could... I. I <laughs> I could barely get through the first episode. <laughs> Egads. Despite the fact that Aaron Gray, who played the very lovely Wilma Daring, was arguably my second crush. Catherine Bach playing Daisy Duke being my first. <laughs> I just couldn't watch Buck Rogers. It it was like when I tried to watch Knight Rider again and found myself wincing and asking, you know, did you really think this was cool once? What I find really, really, truly funny is that stuff that could arguably be called much, much campier and low-tech, you know, less SFX than uh, than these types of shows, uh, are stuff that I really do still love to watch. Classic Doctor Who, for example. I, I love it, you know. I, I, I'll watch it all day and night, but Buck Rogers, I, I couldn't do it. You know, not so much. What I'd really like to see, and I'm... I'm I'm barely nearly biting my tongue to say this, but what I'd really like to see is a in new Buck Rogers. Uh, I think there's a lot that could be updated and that it could appeal to new generations of readers or watchers, you know, if they do it as a movie or something. Uh, Buck Rogers and Flash Gordon are both American pulp uh, culture icons, and I, for one, would love to see both redone um, but treated with reverence. Given the recent attempt by the, the the channel formerly known as Sci-Fi to do an updated but horribly, horribly campy Flash Gordon, um, my hopes for any such resurrection of Flash Gordon are very low. But no one's touched Buck Rogers in 20, almost 30 years. Let's see. Uh, 79, 89, 99, 2000. So 30 years, dear God. Okay, I didn't say that part. <clears throat> anyway... I guess I could write it. Um, I wonder who has the rights to Buck Rogers. That'd be kind of cool. Um, are you out there? Whoever has the rights to Buck Rogers, are you listening to my podcast? Uh, if you are, call me. Let's do lunch. And speaking of my own writing, progress abounds. I continue to edit Sam Kane, which... It's not going as quickly as I would like. Um, what I need is a job that pays me enough money to pay all my bills, but only requires two hours of my time each week. That way I have more time for writing. So if you have any ideas, and eh, no, me either. So um, that that means that it, it continues to kind of go slowly. I do try to spend at least two hours each night on editing. I'm also working on other stuff too because I had to keep my brain fresh. So I'm writing new flash fiction for the blog because I don't want to get that behind. Um, and I want to try to do that every Thursday. Um, but a lot of that gets done kind of in my head as I'm driving home from work 
or or when I go to lunch, I'm, I'm you know I go out and I sit and I, I kind of think and contemplate these things. So it's not a it's not eating huge amounts of, of time that would otherwise be you know for editing Sam Kane. So um, this past week, I did publish on the blog Whoops, which is a piece of sci-fi flash fiction that was that was very amusing to write, and I was very proud of it. Uh, it's in the first person, which I seem to be doing a lot here lately, and and that's mainly due to the fact that Sam Kane is also in the first person. So I'm kind of sort of in that zone of first person writing right now, and it feels comfortable. So when I sit down to do something else, it just immediately ends up being in the first person. Uh, Whoops was a bit longer than the usual flash fiction piece, so I guess that that means it's probably really not flash fiction. It's like 600 words over. Um, so it's somewhere in between flash fiction and short story, and I don't know what they call that. So, so there. Which reminds me, I was invited to participate in the Mind Meld uh, Round Robin question this week for sfsignal.com. Woohoo! Thank you, guys. Um, I sent my answer in. The question was about short stories, uh, which kind of reminded me um, just now as I was talking about whoops. Uh, anyway, uh, I sent my answer in, and John D. digged it, so... Uh, Hopefully that's going to go up on SF Signal sometime this next week. Um, uh, when I know, you'll know. So watch for it. I'm sure I'll geek out and link to it on Twitter or something. Say, oh my god, go here and read this. Uh, as for the new universe, I find myself spending a little time this past week uh, putting thoughts down on paper uh, for the sequels to Sam King. Which, it's probably a bit too early to be doing that. But to be honest with you, it was in my head and it's been in my head for a while, and it's good stuff, and I wanted to get it down on paper, lest I forget it later, which can happen. Um, I actually have four books in my head for Sam Kane, four books that uh, take her on kind of a roller coaster ride, leave her beaten up and bruised, but surviving, um, <laughs> which is kind of funny. It reminds me that I, I really have this thing for the, the strong female protagonist, you know, the, the, the kick-butt gal, uh, some of my favorite shows have been Buffy, uh, La Femme Nikita, uh, Dark Angel, Veronica Mars, Alias, and and the the common thread throughout all of these is that they have this you know featured truly strong female lead, um, and that's where all of my stuff tends to be going these days, which I don't think is a bad thing. Um, I, I think that's actually a good thing. We need more strong female characters, so. So there, that's my update on the new universe. Okay. I think it's probably time to wrap this thing up and, and call the podcast done. I want to thank you once again for coming along for the ride. I really do appreciate it. I will see you guys next week. Uh, in the meantime, don't forget to check out the blog, All Things From My Brain, over at theblog.thenewuniverse.com. And if you're so inclined, you may also follow me on Twitter. I'm over there, twitter.com slash atfmb. That's all things from my brain. I can be somewhat amusing and or entertaining on a daily basis. I know because people have told me so, so it's not like I'm making this up. Um, so if you want to find out, you're just going to have to come follow me. Things that interest me throughout the week usually get linked on my Twitter feed, so it's worth it to check it out just for those links, twitter.com slash atfmb. If you want to comment or ask me any questions or suggest anything cool that I should be paying attention to but I'm not, please visit the blog.thenewuniverse.com and comment on the episode notes. Uh, or feel free to email me at podcast at thenewuniverse.com. And who knows, if I get something interesting, 
maybe I'll uh, I'll mention it here and cover those questions and comments. Um, but until then, you just have to put up with me. Hope you have a good week, and uh, everybody, you know, stay safe, and uh, I'll see you later. Thank you.